hearts and pray over the message today. Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzhak, Elohei Yaakov, B'Shem Yeshua Mishikenu, Haben Adonai Tzidkenu. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the Son of God, our righteousness. Lord, we look to you this morning, this afternoon, and ask you to speak to our hearts and change our lives, to encourage us, O oh God. Father, where perhaps we are worn and weary from life, perhaps disillusioned from the things going on, or perhaps disappointed that we're not where we think we should be. Abba, I pray that today you would encourage us, that your life-giving spirit would impart to us, Lord, a fresh dose of your presence, Lord, that you would energize us in our spirits to serve you with all our heart, our soul, and our might. And we ask you, B'Shem Yeshua, and God's people said, Amen. If you need a title for a message, like you know, I am the worst title giver in the history of mankind. So I titled it, What's New? Uh, and it's based from Yeshiahu 43, and we're going to look at verses 18 and 19. Over the past few weeks, I've been hearing and seeing a particular scripture, which I just divulged, uh, over and over. Uh, everywhere I turn, I'm running into that scripture verse. And as it is the beginning of the new year in 5777, I thought that this would be a great scripture to start the year off with. So as we know, in the books of Yeshiahu and Yirmiyahu, there are sections, that's Isaiah and Jeremiah, are, there are sections that were meant to encourage the exiles in Babylon that God had not forgotten them. And I know that sometimes in our walk with Hashem, that sometimes we feel God has forgotten us. And though this scripture has a very specific context, yet we know that the word of God is living and active, and it speaks to us as well. This exile for Israel occurred after the fall of Jerusalem in the 6th century BCE. The prophets are clear that the reason for the exile was Israel's refusal to live according to God's ways. Selah. Exiled happened because the people of God refused to live according to his ways. Now, we know that although God will sometimes allow his people to learn their lesson, ultimately God offers many opportunities for liberation and freedom. Amen? And that really is the theme of every Jewish holiday, isn't there? <laughs> that we somehow get oppressed... God liberates us, we celebrate, and it always ends with a meal. And that's why we're so well fed as uh, Jewish people. God in his infinite wisdom and creativity will do, a, will do new things in order for that liberation and that freedom and that deliverance to happen. I'm always, I always marvel that God is so original Right? He has so many ways of speaking, so many ways of delivering, so many ways of moving. He never or rarely does it the same twice. 
And in your life, perhaps you're looking for God to do it the way he did it once before, and maybe he wants to do it a new way. I want to read this scripture that we're going to be looking at in several translations, both for effect and contemplation. And through repetition, I want it to sink into your spirit. So this is Yeshua 43, 18 through 19. Do not remember former things, nor consider things of the past. Here I am doing a new thing. Now it's springing up. Do you not know about it? I will surely make a way in the desert, rivers in the wasteland. Selah. Another translation puts it this way. Forget about what's, what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert rivers and the badlands. Now, when I, I have to tell you, when I read this one, I said, this must be the Italian translation. Forget about it. Another translation. Stop. I love that. Only God could speak to us like that. Stop. Right? Stop dwelling on past events and brooding over times gone by. I am doing something new. It's springing up. Can't you see it? I'm making a road in the desert, rivers in the wastelands. And then, lastly, do not remember the former things or ponder the things of the past. Listen carefully. I am about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even put a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Amazing. God is speaking in this context specifically. God is speaking to Israel in Babylonian captivity. He is referring to the first exodus and also saying that what he's about to do in bringing them out of Babylon is going to be greater than that. But I also want to say that it speaks to us that God, who is ever doing something new, wants to encourage our hearts and our lives today as well. And the first point that I believe God would have us put into practice is stop dwelling on the past. The Hebrew phrase is al-tiskeru. Al is a negative participle which negates the verb which it precedes. So tiskeru, to remember, gets translated do not or don't or stop remembering or stop dwelling upon. Don't do it. Tiskeru is from the root zachor, zachar, which means think about, Meditate upon, pay attention to, remember, recollect, mention, declare, recite, proclaim, invoke, commemorate, accuse, and confess. 
And it has that connotation of looking back and just being um, inundated with the past. Now, we must understand, well, first of all, one commentator said, for though many things were worthy to be remembered with thankfulness and praise, and that is certainly true, to the glory of God and for the encouragement of faith, yet not in comparison of what was hereafter to be done. Meaning that, yes, we could remember, and there is a difference between remembering and dwelling upon. Sure, we remember things gone by with fondness through every holiday, right? Um, But even with that said, God doesn't want us stuck there. Not for the bad things, certainly, in our life, and not even for the good things, because God is ever moving forward. We have to understand that dwelling on the past is something that God does not want us to do. Yes, to have a moment where you remember God for the great things he's done or for the mistakes you've made is helpful, but to dwell on them, those former things repeatedly is not recommended by God. And so often, I can't tell you how many people come up to me and they mention the past continually. They live in the past. They live in past failure, past disappointment. God says don't do it because he realizes that it's not going to serve you well. This is what God tells us not to do about the negative past or the positive past. Bad things can happen when we try to look back at what God is moving us away from. Think of Lot's wife. Don't look back. Bad things happen when we look back at what God is moving us away from. John Wesley said, Though your former deliverance out of Egypt was glorious, yet in comparison of that inestimable mercy of sending the Messiah, all your former deliverances are scarce worthy of your remembrance and consideration. Commenting on that verse. Someone wrote, it is good to remember past events in our lives. It is quite another thing to want to live that memory over and over again. Things were always better back then, whether they were or weren't. Isn't that the case? God, knowing this, is always trying to get our attention forward. I'm doing something new. There's something else that I have for you. Maybe you were successful in the past. Great. He has something for you in the future. Perhaps you made some mistakes in the past. Great. He has something better for you in the future. B.W. Anderson said, God is drawing us forward beyond all human infidelity, surpassing all finite human wisdom. The truth is, you might think you know what's best for you or what you should do, but God absolutely knows perfectly. 
Rav Shaul had something to say about this when in Philippians chapter 3 he says, Brothers, I for my part do not think of myself, right, the rabbi of Rabbi Shaul, as having yet gotten hold of it. But one thing I do, what does he say? Forgetting what is behind me. One thing I do. Forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what lies ahead. I keep pursuing the goal in order to win the prize offered by God's upward calling in the Messiah Yeshua. One thing I do, forgetting what's behind me, forgetting my past, the great accomplishments and the not so great, and Shahul had both of those, did he not? Absolutely did. You see, it's hard to move forward toward your future destiny when you cannot get out of your past. Some of us are just mired in our past. And we can't get free. Yeshayahu 43.25 I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sin. What he's saying, God doesn't look at the past. I'm not going to remember them and replay them. But sometimes we beat ourselves up with those very things. The letter to the Messianic Jews in 1017, it says, then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. And in my opinion, the ability to love is connected to the ability to forget the past. Our ability to love is connected to our ability to forget the past. If we're in any sort of relationship, we could see where that's the case, isn't it? Perhaps we could look at a spouse or a child or a friendly relationship and see some past events that were less than desirable. Yet, love, right, allows us to move forward, to forgive, and to forget, and to move forward. God is asking us, he's asking you to forget, and to stop dwelling on past sins, past failures, past tragedies, past abuses, past hardships, past relationships, even past outcomes that didn't go your way. He is telling us that by dwelling on the past, it is hindering our future. Think of someone driving a car, right? It's good to occasionally look in the rear. Now, I'm still training. One of my kids still needs a license. (laughs) And it's great to look in the rearview mirror occasionally, correct? You drive in, check the rearview mirror. Great, you get a reference, boom. But it's really dangerous to stare solely at the rearview mirror. What would happen? It would be in no time would you be in a major wreck if all you did is stare in the rearview mirror. Some of us in this room stare into the rearview mirror of our lives continually. And the destination will no doubt be a terrible wreck. And so God's warning to us is forget the past and look forward to the future. 
Stop dwelling on past events, he says, and brooding over times gone by. This includes, right, I said it, the good things in our lives. Someone wrote, sometimes we even have to leave things of the past behind when they have been previously successful. For like it or not, time moves on and culture changes. People change. And so many times we're looking for that former glory in many aspects of our life. And God is saying, move forward. Move forward. Shaul, again in Philippians, says, but what things were gained to me? And he mentioned them. He was a rabbi from the tribe of Benjamin, right? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had so much working for him. He said, and what things were gained to me? These I have counted lost for Messiah. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Messiah, Yeshua my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That I may gain Messiah and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the Torah, but that which is through faith in Messiah, the righteousness which comes, which is from God by faith. I'm forgetting the things that were even gained to me. Because even the good things in our life are detrimental if we focus. You know, that'll stay. How many movements of God, by the way, have stagnated because all they do is remember the glories of yesteryear? We could see them. You could go down the road and see many, many congregational movements that have shriveled up and died because they're still recounting the stories of yesteryear. Yesteryear may have been great for them. Maybe they had one heck of a time in yesteryear. But guess what? God is in the here and now wanting to do something new and fresh today and from this time forward. And we can't live in yesteryear, no matter how great it was. People are notorious for building shrines to past successes, and too often people stop their lives and memorialize things to the point that it impedes future progress. Stop being fixated on the rearview mirror, is my advice to you. And you know who you are. Kohelet 7.10, look at this piece of wisdom. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Isn't that something? It's not from wisdom that you ask this. What are you doing dwelling about the past? I want you to think back with me. Back in the day, the horse and buggy companies thought that they were in the horse and buggy business. The train companies thought that they were in the train business. But then the automobile came along. The truth is they were really in the transportation business. But because they couldn't see outside of the categories and boundaries they were living in, they didn't realize it until it was too late. How many of you have taken your horse and buggy anywhere recently? 
Trains are still used, but certainly not to the degree that they once were. Thinking forward. God is ever thinking and moving forward. And so must we. So in place of dwelling on the past, God would have us focus on what he is doing now. Instead of dwelling on what has not happened in your life, what has not happened in your family, what has not happened in your finances or in the world to date, what has not happened yet in Israel in seeing Messianic Jewish revival, we focus on what is happening because God is certainly doing things presently. Now, if you are saying to yourself, and I could see it, God doesn't seem to be doing anything right now, Rabbi. If that's what you really think, you're not really focused on him because he is and will always be moving on behalf of mankind. God is doing something in this world that's great. God is moving. God is not vexed by the current situation of the world, but God is excitedly moving forward toward Tikkun Olam. And he's looking to bring as many people into his kingdom as possible. Again, back to our text. Listen carefully. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even put a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Listen carefully. Requires relationship and time. But it's time well spent because God is about to do a new thing. How is your relationship with God through Yeshua? How is it? Is it great? Is it average? Is it wanting? There's no wrong answer because it is what it is, correct? But God is encouraging us to put our effort into that relationship because how could we listen carefully? How could we hear his voice if that relationship isn't strong? Some of us are like Martha. We're so busy running and doing, and yet he's saying, no, be like Miriam. Sit at my feet and listen. Sit at my feet and pay attention to what I'm saying. I will refresh you. I will instruct you. I will guide you in a fruitful way. You see, this new thing is not just for the people who are in Babylonian captivity. This is for you and I because this is who God is. God is always doing something new, always doing something fresh. And the question is, do you perceive it? Not is he, not, is he doing it or not, do you perceive it? Do you perceive what God is doing is really the question here. Not is God doing something, do you perceive what he is doing? Ha. Huh. Ask yourself that question. Do I perceive what God is doing in my generation, in my day?
Here's a little story. Good listening is like tuning in a radio station. For good results, you can listen to only one station at a time. Trying to listen to, uh, let's say, my wife while looking over an office report is like trying to receive two radio stations at the same time. Wives, you know that happens, doesn't that? Yeah. Okay, I end up with distortion and frustration. Listening requires a choice of where I place my attention. To tune into my partner, I must first choose to put away all that will divide my attention. That might mean laying down the newspaper, moving away from the dishes and the sink, putting down the book I'm reading and setting aside a project. The same can be applied with our relationship with God and taking the time to focus and really listen as to what he's saying. We as Americans, okay, are so darn busy. You've heard me say before, this is my pet, one another rabbi's pet peeve. The one-page devotional Bible. One page, what does it take? 30 seconds, one page. Now, listen, I'm not really getting on the Bible. If you read the page and then you meditated and reflected and interacted with God, you could turn the one page into an hour, a half hour, 20 minutes, fine. But our society is geared towards just give me the page so I could say I did it and move on. God is wanting us to get our attention, to sit at his feet and listen to his heart. Listen for what he's doing. Do you know God? Do you know him? Do you know what he's saying in our generation, in our time? Do you know what he's saying for your life? Sometimes we think we know what he's saying. Sometimes we think he's saying what we want to do. we didn't really hear from him. God, what do you want me to do? That's important because I'll tell you this. God will never disappoint you. Could you trust in God? God is not looking to break your heart or disappoint you or have you doing something you don't want to do. Joy is always found in the presence of Adonai. It's found in his will. Don't be afraid to trust him. Philippians 3 again, he says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me. And then what does he say? Straining, straining forward toward what lies ahead. I keep pursuing the goal. Do you sense what he's saying? In order to win the prize offered by God's upward calling in the Messiah, the words straining and pursuing speak of max effort. Do they not? If I, if I told you that, I'd be straining to lift this beamer. What would you say? Maybe he's putting max effort into it. Maybe you could see someone lifting a weight and they're straining. They're putting max effort into it. Someone who's pursuing something. I see my son. He's pursuing a degree in ancient history. Can I tell you? Um, that kid is in a book 
18 hours a day. Always studying, always reading, always. Where is he? He's walking around like this. He's got the book. Decide, do the dishes. <laughs> I mean, always has something. He's pursuing something. And guess what it takes? Max effort. In this case, Shaul is pursuing God. What kind of effort are we putting into God? Answer, answer that question. What kind of effort? Max effort? Mishlei 4.25, Proverbs says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Focus on what's ahead of you. Focus on what God is leading you toward. When Pablo Castles, who knows him? Someone in this room I know knows him. (laughs) A famous cellist and conductor from Spain reached 95 years old. A young reporter threw him a question said, Mr. Castles, you are 95 and the greatest cellist that ever lived. Why do you still practice six hours a day? Mr. Castles answered, because I think I'm making progress. I think I'm making progress. You see, he didn't think he already arrived. He didn't think that he knew all there was to know. I mean, really, do you think you know all there is to know about God? Infinite God, finite man. There's no way. So what do we do? We pursue God with a max effort. We strain after him. We go for him. Not out of a religious obligation. Why do we do it? Because we love him. Why we do it? Because he is our ultimate source of joy and life and peace. That's why I do it. And I know that's why you do it. That straining toward what is ahead is what God is asking us to do. He said, I'm about to do a new thing. Chadashah, or chadash, right? Where we get Brit Chadashah, new covenant. Chadash means new, fresh. London businessman Lindsay Clegg told the story of a warehouse property he was selling. The building had been empty for months and needed repairs. Vandals had damaged the doors, smashed the windows, strewn trash all over the interior. And he showed a prospective buyer the property. Clegg took pains to say that he would replace the broken windows and bring in a crew to correct any structural damage and clean out the garbage. Forget about the repairs, the buyer said. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building, I want the site. Compared with the renovation God has in mind, our efforts to improve our own lives are as trivial as sweeping a warehouse slated for the wrecking ball. When we become gods, the old life is over. 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? The old life is over. He makes all things new. He wants a site and permission to build. That's what he's looking for. The site is you, it's me. It's our heart, it's our life. And he's looking for permission to build. P.S. that we have to grant him. We have to say, here I am, Lord. 
I'm willing. Do it in me. That's what I love about God. I can't do it on my own anyway. God does it. But he's looking for a site, a person, a people, a community, a group. Because he's doing something new in our day. Do you know what it is? Do you perceive it? Do you sense it? Will you not be aware of it or know it? The verb to know, this is um, Jack Hayford from Jack Hayford. The verb to know in the Hebrew is far more than cerebral awareness of insight. It has to do with the total giving of yourself, as in the husband-wife relationship within marriage. This knowing is a total receptivity, a total embrace. The Lord is saying, I am going to do a new thing. Will you embrace it? Will you receive it into your life? I believe this is him talking. I believe that if God says he's going to do a new thing, then it's going to have a relationship to his people, to you and to me. God is going to do a new thing, not in a vacuum, but in the context of his people. It's not for us to watch as spectators. The Lord wants to imprint it on our lives. He wants to take the new thing and work it in us, work it through us. It will be far more than just sensation or novelty. It will be abiding, durable, engendered in our life and thought. It will be something that is workable and practical. You hear that? Workable and practical. God is doing a new thing. Do you know it? Do you perceive it? I want to know for your life. You might be saying, gee, Lord, I have no idea what's been going on in my life over the past weeks and months. Guess what? He's doing a new thing. Hayford goes on to say, what the Lord wants us to understand when he says he's doing a new thing is that it is in process already. It's in process already. You can't see it yet, but it's set in motion. Just like after a long, cold winter, right? There's change going on under the ground, isn't there? In the wintertime, you don't even get a sniff of what's going on, but there is something germinating, something living germinating in that ground. And in spring, the first onset of spring, you still don't see it till finally you see it press up through the ground and you see it bud. Is that the first time God was working? No, God was working all along. Do you perceive that God is doing something? We might say this is not what the kingdom of God was even 20 years ago, and it's not. God's doing a new thing. God's germinating his life within his kehilah. It's about to spring forth. Do you perceive it? The Lord says, he set in motion that which will bring about deliverance unto a time of growth, development, refreshing, and fruitfulness. When God's new thing sprouts in you, 
It will be with the fragrance and beauty of the springtime of his purpose in you. So that's what he said. He's asking us. We do our part, right? God speaks. We listen. We receive what he says. And we act upon it. Do you perceive it? God's doing something new. In this new year, God is doing something new. So my encouragement to you as I close, take that word and let it propel you forward toward God and his presence. Let go of the past and the things that have consumed and preoccupied your thoughts and move forward in God toward his plans and his promises. That's my encouragement to you. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for us. He has a plan for his kingdom. God is not surprised or shaken by what's going on in the world. Know what God is doing? Preparing. Moving. You may not see it yet, but he's moving. So get ready. Be in step with him. Amen? Baruch Hashem. Let's stand to our feet. Take a second. As you stand, take a second. And speak to the Lord. Listen to this verse one last time. Stop dwelling on past events and brooding over times gone by. I am doing something new. It's springing up. Can't you see it? I am making a road in the desert, rivers in the wasteland. Alvino Marcano. Our father, our king. Abba, you see every heart, every life, every challenge, every struggle. Father, you know each one of us so intimately. You know our ways, our thoughts before we think them. And Abba, I pray, Lord, that you would help each and every person in this place. Lord, to take that scripture to heart and personal. Abba, that each of us would stop dwelling on former things and strain toward the new things that you're preparing to do. Abba, that we with excitement and fervor, God, would let go of our past and, Lord, with anticipation, move forward to the great things that you have in store for our lives and for this world. Father, for those who struggle letting go, who are stuck in their past, who are stuck in their sins, stuck in their disappointments, stuck in their failures, Lord, for those who are in their life and they think that, Lord, their time is gone. They miss their window of opportunity. Father, speak to those hearts and let them know that truly the best is yet to come. Lord, that the future 
his bride in you. So, Father, I speak that over your people. And I ask that you would bless them. Sear this word in our heart and let us live by it. Hashem Yeshua. God's people said, Amen. Stretch forth your hand. Let me bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his sweet shalom. Father, I pray that you would bless your people as they go. Lord, that you would pursue them and overtake them with your goodness, that you would keep them in health and they would prosper spirit, soul, and body. And we ask it, Bishem Yeshua. Amen. Blessings to you. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on Wednesday. Shabbat shalom.